We are live with this edition of Around the League from UGASports.com alongside Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins. I am Dane Young. This is the show from UGASports.com where we go around the SEC, talk about each matchup in the league, even Eastern Washington at Florida. We'll talk about it for maybe two seconds, and then we'll get back around to some other things that we want to discuss. It's all brought to you by Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery. Thanks, everybody, for watching and supporting Around the League. We really enjoy doing this. And Brent, I want to start with you because the, the game that is on my mind that I think is most intriguing in the SEC this week undefeated Kentucky at undefeated Ole Miss and I think it's on my mind because there's so many unknowns in this particular matchup I'm seeing articles on ESPN about how Will Levis could be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft and I'm texting you saying what I don't <laughs> see that and then I look at Ole Miss and I'm like I don't know any of these players and they almost lost to Tulsa Ole Miss minus seven at home it's a noon game on ESPN, so 11 o'clock local time. What's your read on this one? Whoever wins is going to feel really good about themselves just because of how it plays out for the rest of their schedule. But it's just, like you said, it's such an intriguing game. Cause, and really because both teams really haven't played that well. Like Kentucky legit struggled against Northern Illinois. Other than some big passing plays, like they were – Northern Illinois was very much in that game. And they lost to Vandy. Like so it's one of those things like – but for Kentucky's perspective – you get Chris Rodriguez back this week. And does that completely change uh, their running game and the, and the things with their offense? Because right now, their rush grade from the back perspective, lowest in the power five. Like some of their yardage numbers, lowest in, some, in, in the power five in terms of the rushing game. And that's going to, I think, determine if it actually kickstarts their running game. All right, maybe they've got something a little bit. but Because guess what Ole Miss is going to do? They're going to run the football. And I know you guys tease me about the Rich Rod and the West Virginia things, but they look very Rich Rod at West Virginia with Pat White-esque now, where it's just so QB run driven with the two backs as well. Like it's, it's tough to defend. But I think can Kentucky get the running game going is the ultimate question in this game. Coach, thoughts on Kentucky Ole Miss? Did he freeze up? Yep. Free. Yep. He goes up on me. Oh, that's all good. I'm going to remove him from here as we get that internet situation sorted out as we go live. <laughs> that <what> <laughs> always happens, right? So I, I think my problem with Kentucky is when I've watched them, Brent, their offensive line does not look as good to me as it did the last couple of years. And that's the primary issue that I see with the Wildcats. I see the things that, that flash from Levis. I also see the inconsistencies that say, I don't know that you're a top five quarterback in the SEC on a weekly basis. Yeah, he's got, when you look at his just sheer numbers, he's got 10 touchdowns, four picks. But when you look at some of the PFF data, he's got two big time throws and six turnover worthy plays. So it, it's not necessarily meshing with the numbers, but the receivers for Kentucky right now are carrying this defense or carrying this offense. And it's what's amazing when you think about it is their receivers, not the running game for Kentucky. And then also Ole Miss's secondary is actually one of the highest graded in the power five right now. Granted, granted the competition has changed a little bit, but that's, that's an interesting matchup. Can Kentucky kind of do some things in the passing game, but you know, Ole Miss 60, 40 run right now. They, I think right, they're right below Arkansas in terms of run pass distribution. They are a running football team. And when have you ever sort of thought that like everything that Lane Kiffin, all that he's done, that it would be predicated on all kinds of running as opposed to the, the passing game and not necessarily being explosive in the passing game. 
And I suspect that it's going to stay that way because Chris Rodriguez making his season debut this week. Uh, they, they've been leaning on smoke very heavily in their running game. Uh, Coach is relocated to some some better internet up there. <laughs> all this wind out here is just uh, giving me trouble. Uh, everything's blowing, including all my short hair here. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I listened to Brent. He did a good job on that Ole Miss Kentucky game, and it certainly is going to be a game that answers some questions about both teams. But I think it really gets down to, first of all, the strength of Kentucky so far. And now they got a little bit of running, but they've been throwing the ball, but giving up an inordinate amount of sacks. I mean, everybody's sacks, Levis. I mean, it's just incredible. And, you know, that's one thing that Ole Miss really does okay uh, defensively, but, you know, they've been. They've been struggling, and uh, all of a sudden, the pressure's on Dart to really play well in a big game because he's going to be, uh, you know, they're just not going to line up and run the ball down Kentucky's throat, uh, you know, like they did to some of these lesser teams. So they're not going to have the easy runs that they had, although they're a good rushing team, no question about it. So it, it, it's certainly a kind of a paradox. Everybody's talking about two undefeated teams, but Really, uh, basically, they haven't played anybody. Uh, Florida on the road, I guess you could say that, but Florida uh, hadn't shown a propensity to be a good team. So uh, I'm going to give both teams credit for being, uh, you know, uh, 4-0 at the, this point, and one of them is going to be 5-0 and and continue to be a real threat in the league that they're in, the East or West. But I think it's going to come down to can Dart make some plays yeah. on third down when he's got to and can – can all of a sudden, with the addition of Levis having uh, Rodriguez, can they throw Rodriguez? They can throw some play action to help his protection a little bit because nobody's been worried about their running game. So uh, here's the deal, though. Final stat here: Coach Stoops is 0 and 10 on the road against Western Division teams since he's been there. So he's got to get wow. over. He's got to get over the hump. Uh, and prove that this is a nationally ranked team. We got three teams in the East right now ranked in the top 10, you know, Kentucky seven, Tennessee eight. And both of those two, uh, I don't know if they're top 10 teams, but based on the dearth of teams around the country that haven't been able to show a lot, uh, they deserve to be there right now, but uh, we'll see what happens. But I kind of like the fact that, uh, both these teams got to prove themselves, and that's what college football is all about. You want to talk about and, and Brent, you were saying one of these teams is really going to feel themselves and feel good about themselves. Ole Miss, if they win against Kentucky yeah. at eleven, next two games should get time, W's. Vandy and Auburn, and then you just have that gauntlet of a stretch with the final five at the end. So they could start seven and zero and end up seven and five. Like that's totally possible with yes. their schedule, uh, but. I tell you, if if Jackson Dart can emerge a little bit, I, I like Ole Miss in this game. I have not seen a thing from Kentucky that says that that's a scary football team to me. You got that right. I, I agree. And Kentucky has a tendency on the road, uh, particularly, to make a lot of mistakes, penalties, turnovers. And, you know, they just kind of self-destruct. But they've got a really good quarterback. I don't know that he's the number one draft choice, but he's got the strength in his arm and the size and a little bit of mobility to go with it. And basically the first four games, he's kind of carried this team on his back. I mean, he's mm -hmm. been a fan for him. And 
now uh, they're going on the road. We'll see what happens. I think the whole paradox with that is that everyone in the NFL is looking for their next Josh Allen, and he's hundred percent boxes. But in the search for Josh Allen, sometimes you end up with a Daniel Jones. That's all I'm saying. Blake Bortles. Yeah, and you know the other thing that happens when you when you work on a guy like that, um, just like Herbert, uh, is really good for the Chargers. I really like him, but he he gets hurt because he's moving around so much, and these guys. And the NFL don't feel sorry for you. The reason these ends are making so much money is because they can rush the passer and they punish you. Not just sacks, but hurries and hits and everything. And uh, Josh Allen just looks like a linebacker back there. Herbert <laughs> Herbert is kind of an H-back type guy that's, you know, pretty boy type. But he's very tough. But uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the Chargers have all of a sudden gone down. What about those Jags beating them last week? Uh, that guy's doing a heck of a job down there. I thought they had a pretty good team starting. Now, this is around the league, not around the world, but we're <laughs> what's going on in the NFL, too, because a lot of these players that we talk about on our program every week, and Brent gives you the grades and everything around the league, but these these pros are looking for guys. I mean, you got to find people to supplement your team, and uh, as far as those number one draft choice quarterbacks they're few and far between coach anytime that you can acknowledge that a team got significantly better just by getting rid of urban meyer i'm here for it so (laughs) thanks for that yeah i tell you urban's had a good career i mean there's no question about it but things haven't gone well last couple years but uh boy i'm telling you what when you look at what he did at utah and at florida uh it's hard to hard to uh really win every game like they did at Utah that one year and then two national championships at Florida. So not many coaches got that. I'm just throwing shade. It's fine. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, Alabama versus Arkansas coach. Bama 17-point favorites on the road. Arkansas, I thought that they were the better team against Texas A&M. I thought they played better for the majority of the game. They just had two critical mistakes, and they lost because of that. What do you see from the Hogs trying to bounce back and pull an upset against the Tide? Merry Christmas, Jimbo Fisher. I mean, that that play on the goal line just uh, gift-wrapped a, a touchdown for them, and they can't score uh, to get a 96-yard touchdown on your with your defense. But here's the thing in this game. Uh, for me, everybody, that, including Max Johnson, not really hurt them, but everybody has torched this secondary. You go back to – Bobby Petrino's team, Cincinnati, even Spencer Rattler, who can't throw the ball in the ocean from a rowboat right now. He had two picks last night. Spencer Rattler, 300-some yards, and they scored 30 points. This team, Arkansas, as good as they are, as the fans want them to be, and part of it, they were so bad under the previous regime, under Morris, that, that any kind of success has kind of moved up a little bit. But this team cannot tackle. They're one of the poorest tackling teams in space I've ever seen. And and they're really playing around their offense. So they got to get some stops. But all of a sudden, I think Alabama's running game is going to really be big in this game. And they're going to have receivers running around with blinker lights on them. <laughs> they're going to be so open. But, uh, but, you know, they've just found a way to win and make plays until they played uh, A&M and they, they gave it away. But. So that's the one side of it. But I do feel like that Richardson 
is capable of hurting these teams. You know, last year he had a great game against them. They went to fourth quarter, a lot of points. Uh, if he doesn't try to do too much, and and I think Brent talked about sometimes he runs when he can throw and sometimes when he can, uh, you know, pass the ball, uh, he uh, forces it. So what kind of mistakes is, is he going to make in this game? So – if he can play up to his ability and the fan base, they're so fired up about this team. I think a little bit delusions of grandeur. Uh, I've said when the season started that I think this Arkansas team is not quite as good as what everybody wants it to be. Pittman's doing a good job. They got a lot of transfers over there. Uh, I look for this game to be ugly. I think Alabama is going to go on the road and play like they're capable of and hit some big plays and make them miss you in the open field. A lot of plus 30-yard plays in this game. I actually tend to agree, Coach. And the reason I, I agree is oh, the point. I needed <laughs> I was going out on the limb for about this. But I love Arkansas coaches. I love Pittman. But realistically, look at the tape. I mean, And, and you're, the secondary part, you, you definitely are 100% correct on. And what's interesting for that with Alabama they don't have a single receiver right now with a grade, a PFF grade above 70. But they get, they've supposed to, I, I think from what I read, there's two guys coming back this week Tyler Harrell, the Louisville transfer, and JoJo Earl to give them, that, and like Tyler Harrell last year, 29 yards of reception, the average, and you know, had six he or seven really touchdowns at Louisville. Really fast. And like, can that give them a, an edge and the ability to take the top off a of defense that they just haven't had? at all and don't with their current receiving core. That's one thing. Two is, I mean, like you said with K.J. Jefferson, can they make enough plays and run the ball and keep and slow the game down enough? And, you know, what's interesting with Alabama is you know, they, we saw one game against Texas that was, you know, they dogfight, borderline should have lost. The other three games, 173 to 10 in those three games. So they really haven't really played anybody outside of that. But can Alabama also protect – Bryce Young in this game. He got pressured on, I think, almost 40% of his dropbacks against Texas. Arkansas leads the nation in sacks. Drew Sanders, who just transferred from Alabama, you know, has been phenomenal as a pass rusher. Another senior, uh, Zach Williams, that's taken a leap and has a career high in pressures and sacks. So can they get after Bryce Young a little bit and make and keep the game close? Because if they don't, like I said, Coach, I think he torches them, torches them deep, and, and Alabama puts a kind of beat down on them. Yeah, I like this Ja'Cory Brooks, too. I think he's coming on. He had, of course, Vanderbilt. You, you know, you never know. But he looked like he was a player. And, and my bad on calling Jefferson. I don't know what I was talking about. But uh, I, it's KJ. But he he's a good player, and I like the way he plays. But uh, maybe, maybe uh, they can come back and get the, the haunt of the uh, stadium there and get some of that uh, situation like when Coach Nutt was there. You know, when you look at the records of these coaches, uh, that everybody's all fired up. Pittman's fifteen and twelve. Houston Nutt, his first twenty-seven games, he was twenty and seven there, and they they won a conference twice uh, while he was there, as far as the east, the Western Division. So, a really good job he did there at Arkansas, and I think we're going to see Arkansas getting better as long as Ole Miss and Mississippi State and LSU don't get really better all of a sudden. It's hard to leapfrog them and still beat Alabama. You know what I mean? So they've already got one loss. So if they lose this one, uh, you know, they're, they're going to probably be out of any kind of chance of being in the race. But uh, 
again, one more point. We, we like Arkansas, and we're, we're around the league for them, and we're going to – but their defense is not good. I mean, they, they have a lot of problems, but, but they got to try to take chances to get lost yardage plays and against the, the lesser teams it works, but against teams that know what they're doing, it's tough. I feel like that's flipped in the last year because when Sam Pittman and that coaching staff first got there, it was look at Barry Odom's defense and they're surprising people and they're carrying the team. And now it's really their offense is having to carry the team. And when they made some critical mistakes against A&M, that's when the game got out of hand. Exactly. Uh, One note on Alabama. This is a really tough part of their schedule just in terms of physical football. So pay attention to injuries in the situation. They're obviously a team that's built to handle that with its depth. But you're looking at at Arkansas, Texas A&M at home next week, at Tennessee, then Mississippi State. That's without a bye week. Then you get the bye week at LSU, at Ole Miss. So this is going to be a tested, tied team after that six-game stretch. And they need to stay healthy here in the first half of that. Otherwise, I think they could drop one of those. Uh, they could, but, uh, you know, the Yankees might not uh, – um, Judge might not hit 62, too, so you never know. <laughs> uh, we'll get a cut in during games to find <laughs> out every single time. I promise you that. Very uh, true. Every network that there is. Uh, let's The final big game that we want to talk about for the week, and, and then we'll talk about our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping. Texas A&M, we mentioned them a lot. At Mississippi State, and Brent, I thought this was an interesting line from Vegas because if you look at terms of talent, A&M has more talent on that team, but Vegas is saying we don't believe in their offense either. Mississippi State, a four-point favorite at home. That game's at 4 o'clock on the SEC Network. Especially when you consider that Mississippi State got physically dominated in the fourth quarter by LSU. And Levis against LSU, or not Levis, but Rogers against LSU, less than sixty percent completion for the first time in over two in since his uh, over two years. So the last two seasons, it's the first time he'd been less than sixty percent completion. But uh, it's amazing what one play does for a team, a season, everything. Like that one play at the goal line that A and M made that then that coach mentioned a little bit ago with Arkansas. If they go down 21 to 7, they're not coming back against Arkansas. They don't score enough. Their, their offense is not explosive enough. And then to flip the field like that, get the game where it, you know, sort of close and, and tight, like just amazing what that one play did. Max Johnson coming and play a quarterback for them now. Hasn't like he has a lower passing grade, lower per completion percentage, lower yards per attempt. Obviously, the competition's a little def- different, but he hasn't turned the ball over. And that, because when you can do that and keep giving the ball to A chain, that guy's unreal. He is so much fun to watch run. The he's he's a running back, like a little bit smaller version of Tyreek Hill to me, where it's just it's 100 miles an hour all the time. There's no slowdown, even if he's making cuts. Amazing to watch that kid run. Yeah, I, I like the, I like his style too. And of course, the big loss losing the, uh, Smith, the, the great uh, receiver, kick return guy, just special. You you know, made so many big plays over his career, and you ate. For the guy to go down like that, any player, but especially a player that's got a good future ahead of him. Hopefully, his leg's not too bad. But and Max Johnson is very capable, uh, if, as we've seen it. You, you know, way he played at LSU of, of throwing the ball down the field, but it's against the rules there at Texas A&M. Anything <laughs> over five yard pass is illegal. Uh, they just have an archaic offense right now. They look like they're so afraid they're not going to do anything with the ball that they don't do it. And it just doesn't look like a team that 
can make or manufacture enough points in a scoring game to, you know, today's football, it's hard to win 14 to 10 and 18. You know what I mean? You got to count on the other team helping you out. And I don't know that Mississippi State's going to do that as long as they stay within the realm of what they try to do. It looked like they were trying to really spank LSU in the second half and they got back, got away from their bread and butter and, uh, and then all of a sudden they got behind and then they panicked. And uh, that, that's what happens sometimes when you're on the road. But uh, I just think realistically that Mississippi State has the kind of style that hurts A&M. It, it did last year, although A&M's changed coordinators and brought in Durden, uh, Durkin from uh, Ole Miss. And he had a pretty good game against Mississippi State last year when Ole Miss beat him. But uh, I, I'm just high on Rodgers. I think he, you know, he had a little bad run there, but I think he can make enough plays to keep A&M off the field enough so when they're on the field, they're playing from behind, and that's not their style. I mean, they don't like to, uh, y- you know, st- throw the ball down the field like I mentioned. So I think the, the odds makers know what they're talking about. I like the bullies in this game. I think those cowbells are going to be ringing like crazy down there. And uh, A&M's going to get their first loss. And A&M's passing attack even more jilted at this point with Anaya uh, Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got the right. Anaya Smith. I about said Williams. Anaya Smith out for the season. They're leading receiver uh, with 15 receptions on the year. So you're probably looking at guys like Evan Stewart having to step up a little bit. And then A-chain out of the backfield and getting some, some tight ends involved. I mean, the weapons just really aren't there on offense, Coach. Uh, so well, I think I mean, Max Johnson, I would right. run with him more if it were me. You got to just got to take the the uh, diapers off their offense and and try to get from kindergarten to at least the fourth grade. I mean, do something there with it and uh, just try so, and try something fast once in a while. Watch the game, uh, Miss A uh, and M. Every time they go down to like one or two seconds on the clock. So the defense is just sitting over there looking at you. I mean, you, you never have a play where you get an easy play because they run a quick one like a lot of teams do. I mean, if they did that, if they ran a quick play in this game, the the uh, Mississippi State defensive players would fall down. They wouldn't know what to do. I mean, they just run. Don't you watch that, Brent? We, you and I talked about it. it just gives the defense a lot better chance of recognition, and, and they have such tendencies anyhow that you got a good – good play in your mind about what they're going to run when you're on defense, when, when that happens. And Jimbo's such, been such a brilliant offensive coach. You go back to LSU when they won a national championship, Florida state, but for some reason they're just stubborn right now about making a move from, uh, from the old timey stuff to a, to a Porsche and getting out after it. What do you think the reason for that is Brent? I- a Georgia fan might say that there's there's a certain former offensive coordinator on their staff that that's influencing that in a negative way. But uh, outside of that, I think it's just his stuff is very quarterback driven. And when it, the pro style quarterback driven, he's not implemented a lot of the elements in the college game and the quick game that you see uh, that we've seen from Georgia over the past this past season and even last season where you're just taking advantage of having better athletes on the outside. Yeah, you don't see a lot of that. And, you know, last year they did a good job a couple of times of using 
two backs in the game, just running regular 21 personnel and then let one of them um, shift out to give you 11 to keep the defense off kilter a little bit. I thought they did a good job with that, but they don't have two backs this year to do that. So uh, no spiller. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, looks to me like it's going, you guys picking the Bulldogs in this game. I am, but I, here's what, this is going to be a, a weird criticism of them, but with their LSU game, I always talk about Will Rogers and that passing attack and their 60 million three-yard passes. But Dylan Johnson, their running back, averaged 7.1 yards a carry in the game against LSU, and they only gave him the ball seven times. Run him a little bit more. Take a little bit more pressure off of Will Rogers. Use those running lanes. I think they'll be there against A&M. Arkansas had some. Yep. Yeah, here's what happens. When you're a passing team and things aren't going good, you never look to hand the ball off. You're looking for another way to throw the ball. Uh, how can we throw to so-and-so doing all? You're not looking about, hey, well, we got the runs here. Sometimes you can catch up better uh, uh, in a hurry-up offense running the ball. I mean, that's where you see teams a lot of times in two minutes, they'll run the draw play on first down, and then you, you got uh, you just got to use your back some. The whole, everybody in the stadium, including – the uh, people from the rest homes that are there to watch the game, they know that you're going to be throwing the ball, so run it a little bit. I agree with that. Hey, let's uh, run over to chat about our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping because they have been day one sponsors of Around the League here from UGASports.com. And I was over on their Facebook page this morning, facebook.com slash Connor Grading, or you can search Connor Grading and Landscaping, Inc. Follow them while you're there because they do a lot of great updates on their Facebook page and their Instagram, or you can go check them out on their website as well. And this was from earlier in the month where they were doing some earth excavation in downtown Monroe and this is one of those things I have no idea once you put me in this kind of equipment uh, to, to know what you're supposed to do or how to do it safely and the folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping are the pros at it so uh, this was kind of the beginning of a project and I think they're continuing to see how that winds up but if you just scroll down on their Facebook page Brent, I talk to you about this with your yard all the time of if you come with them with some ideas and some creativity, they're going to find a way to make it work. And check out this customer photo here. Of This is a pretty unique pool situation in someone's backyard with still having a lot of grass around in the area, too. And this just turned into a little backyard oasis. Yeah, looks good. I like the hashtag, too. Get her done Monday. Uh, <laughs> they have in the excavation. That looks like it's over in Egypt or something. It's so sweet. I mean, that's like some uh, prince. It's like Sean McVay's backyard. Or Kingsbury, which one of them. Yeah, Kingsbury. But the one thing I wish everybody would do, if you you, uh, just let them know that you heard about them on our show, that would be good, too, that uh, you you got a chance to listen to our show or watch it and heard about it. And uh, they'll be, that'll be even more customer friendly knowing that you're coming in there right off from the old coach or from from our buddies here, uh, Brent and Dane. So it, it, one of the things all people should take a lot of pride in is how, you're, how you look when you go out personally, but also how your house looks. I mean, even though it might not be the biggest house in the world or whatever, just make it look clean on the outside and the inside because to me, if I walk in – a house that looks a little sloppy or and this yard never fixed. That makes me wonder what kind of person that guy, people, I mean, that's, that's just the way I look at it. I mean, you can have a bad yard and be a good person, I guess, but I hadn't seen too many of them. 
<laughs> well, if you want to be sure that that's not even a question, go, go check out our folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping. It's a really good time to do it because if you want to start your yard projects, uh, I'm not having to cut my grass as much right now. So you can get a lot done here in the next few months and make sure you are ready for spring, but also have your tailgate ready for the rest of the season at your house. A uh, couple quick games that we'll discuss here with uh, kind of mid-level SEC games. LSU and Auburn, LSU an eight-point favorite on the road coach at Auburn. And the number of the day, because I looked this up earlier to make sure I had this, is 217. And that is the total amount of yards that Auburn gained with an overtime included. So the Tigers' offense is almost non-existent. Auburn Tigers, that is. LSU eight-point favorites on the road, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I'm just going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. I mean, and there's no question that this is a poor football team right now, a struggling team in the Auburn uh, Tigers. But a lot of times when you're against the wall and you're fighting for your coach, you find a way to do some things that maybe are superhuman or just things work your way. I mean, there is no way that that things could happen any better for Harson last week than the guy missing the field goal and then the, the, them, them being off – the other team being offsides when they had a field goal blocked in overtime and then the drop – a ball running in the end zone. I mean, he had – you know, he wasn't a tiger, but he was a cat. He had nine lives in that game, and he <laughs> used all of them up. And I think it's just a question of can we rally the troops and do something good? I mean, offensively, just in F. Uh, throwing the ball, running the ball, blocking everything. Defense hung in there, but they were playing against an offense that was kind of like theirs. It was like, you know, truth or dare, and both of them just dared each other to make it first down, 14 straight consecutive threes and outs in that game. Everybody knows about that. But LSU, to me, has really utilized playing at home, getting comfortable, uh, getting a good win against A&M, but, you know, having two lay-down games in, in between. So, is that, you know, can, can Daniels – how is he healthy or what's the deal on his uh, – the quarterback for uh, LSU? If he can be healthy, I just don't see – he's so much difference than just one player. If he could play for Auburn, they might have a chance. And they might have had some tryouts with the intramurals and gone over there and gotten somebody and picked up a few players, but – Auburn, to me, I was saying that, uh, on our show that their personnel ranked probably 13th or 14th in the league. They might be 14th after watching them. And I, I hate to get on Auburn. I mean, I've always had respect for them. But this is a – I can't remember Auburn looking any worse than they do right now. How about you, Brent? It's it's pretty bad. And, like, I, it's funny, Dane, that you brought up the yardage total. I actually wrote down the total yards in the game. It was 529 total yards by both teams. Is that Not just warm-ups, too? I mean, I, <laughs> I got some completions and warm-ups to add to it, but it is a struggle. But like Coach said, at night, I think that you know, this is a night game, right? At night, 7 p.m. Does, does the crowd Six you know, keep Auburn alive a little bit and into the game where you get some confidence later? Does does Robbie Ashford have a you know out-of-body experience like Zach Calzada last year against Auburn or against Alabama? You know, can those things happen? I don't know. It's going to be tough for Auburn. I think the the Tigers that are coming into the stadium are going to leave uh, happy. It's funny hearing you say, "Can Ashford have a Zach Calzada experience?" When Zach Calzada is right on the team. <laughs> yeah, here's the other thing about uh, 
the fans are coming in there not expecting much. I mean, they're going to probably be lit up, half of them, because, you know, it's just a bad week for them, and they're going to be drowning their sorrows during the uh, tailgate. So all of a sudden you get some kind of success. I mean, who would have thought last year that they would have gone to overtime against Alabama? I mean, to me, that was one of the most startling upsets in the history of football, the way they played Bama last year. I mean, I think Bigsby doesn't step out of bounds, then Auburn wins that game. Better personnel last year, that's for sure, than they do now. But uh, all I'm saying is, this is just not a lay-down game where LSU just going to come in there and take advantage of this poor Auburn team. Auburn's going to – this is their last chance to fight and, and see what happens. They are three and one, but, you know, those three victories are not are, – are pretty shallow, really, when you look at the teams. Uh, Georgia's uh, – who, who did they – they played Georgia State last year. They played Alabama. Who all did they play? Uh, I know they played San Jose State. Mercer, yeah. uh, Penn Mercer. State. And Penn State and in Missouri. Missouri and Missouri. So uh, don't feel sorry for them. Uh, you know, it could happen to anybody, but they're looking at a gauntlet coming up. They got to come to Georgia next week and play in a 330 game on CBS, a team they've only beaten twice in the last 16 years. It's ranked number one in the country. I mean, they'll be hard to get those guys on the bus for that game. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure the coach will be getting on the bus after the game, if you know what I mean. And I don't like to do the coaching thing, but there's so much instability instability at Auburn right now. It's a matter of time to me of when they're making their change to start the. And, and here's here's another point there you make about coaching change. All these people around the country get their guts up when they see other teams make changes, like Georgia Tech firing their coach, Nebraska firing their coach and people are saying, Hey, we got to get, get going here. There's only a short pool. We got to get going on who our coach is. So let's go ahead and do it. So once one guy gets hit during the early season, then these uh, athletic departments, even though they don't have an AD there now, they get their guts up and it's easier to let a guy go knowing that people, other people are doing it. Yeah. And that comes down to the December recruiting too, that, can you waste a class by waiting until January to hire somebody? Because essentially that that's what you're saying. But then can a new person come in in October and have a class that's formidable for December for people that weren't already there? It's a mess. I, I think there's going to be some reform that has to happen on that December well, signing day. Well, anybody comes in is going to have a better signing day than they've had because they hadn't had one in two years. I mean, it's been <laughs> ridiculous, hasn't it, Brent? I mean, that's why they're so bad. Yeah. I mean, they haven't. They haven't recruited like Auburn even, you know, you can only ever see Auburn 11th, 12th in the league in recruiting. I mean, you just don't ever see it. And that's kind of a reason why they're where they are, I, I think, because uh, I think this guy's a good coach. He did a good job at Boise, but a little difference uh, going into places he's playing than going to play uh, Nevada, Reno, and all those teams. <laughs> Brent, I want to give you an opportunity to, to talk Georgia-Missouri. Georgia, 29-point Georgia, favorites last I saw on the road at Missouri. Coach and I talked about it on our Tuesday show, UGA Sports Live. So it's 7.30 on SEC Network. And I know your score prediction from UGASports.com, but uh, what has you backing that up for Georgia? Now you're going to get a really peed-off Georgia team. And I think that's just not going to end well. But – I think the biggest thing to talk about the Georgia game is to look back last week. 
Because if I'm somebody like Auburn, I'm looking at the entire Kent State coaching staff and saying, come here. Because that was a well-coached football team that did everything that they possibly could in that game. And what they've done this season at Washington, at Oklahoma, you know, almost up at the half at Oklahoma, like where they're severely out-talented. But like all the details, and you watch the coach and you listen to him. They did the I heard him on a pod a, a podcast earlier this week talking just details of the game and talking about Georgia being sort of a cut above everybody else that they're playing week to week against perfection. Like those that coaching staff is at Kent State. They will be it's a power five coaching staff. I think they're as good as any team at this sort of the bottom rung in the SEC. That was impressive to me. That's the thing I'd want to say about the Georgia game. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the a couple the last week about this team is is going to test Georgia, and let's just say it like this: Georgia is not as good defensively as last year, maybe as a couple the last couple years. Just uh, doesn't have the presence uh, up front to to just uh, stormtroop you. Hopefully, having Carter back will help uh, because he's going to demand something. And this team from Missouri cannot protect the quarterback. I mean, Abilene Christian, everybody. I mean, it's jailbreak every time they call a pass. They got a decent running game, and but their defensive front is good. And people say, why can't we run the ball? We don't need to run the ball against them. You can throw it. Just pick out which guy you want to throw it on. Because, I mean, Georgia can throw for four or 500 yards on these guys. I mean, but you're playing at night. You're waiting around all day. You can – Stop yourself like Georgia did a couple of times last week. But uh, everybody's trying to be devil's advocate and say, well, what if we don't do this? Just, you know what you can do? Go in there and do it. I mean, you got to go in and execute. And it's like taking a test. You got all the answers. You practiced all week. You know what to do. Go out there and uh, get after them. I'm going to give you guys assignments as we begin to, to wrap this show. Each of you is going to have 10 seconds for your best take or whatever you want to call it. Coach, you're going to get South Carolina over South Carolina State. We saw that game happen, but if you want to be Coach Tradamus and act like we didn't and predict a score, you do you. I'll give you 10 seconds on that in just a minute. Brent, you're going to get Eastern Washington at Florida, a reason to find that exciting. Uh, while you guys kind of ponder on that, I do want to talk about our friends at ASW Distillery, and they are new partners for UGASports.com. Five of the six founders are UGA graduates. They like to say that they are distilled by dogs, and they have their tasting rooms in Atlanta, and they're becoming even more popular. If you see this photo on their Instagram page. This is the Nappy Roots hanging out and uh, doing some some content. I believe this was for one of their videos that they did, and they were hanging out at uh, ASW Distilleries. So check out their stuff. If you like their Fiddler Bourbon is, is my jam. Uh, they have a couple different versions of it. The Georgia Heartwood is what I've been sipping on on weekend nights. But if you're a vodka person, if you are a rye whiskey person, uh, they have that for you too. Their gin is really good. Just check out what they're doing at ASW Distillery. They like to partner with uh, a lot of organizations in the state of Georgia, including UGASports.com, also including the Atlanta Braves. As you see, they had their limited edition Fiddler for the Braves World Series win. So check them out, ASWDistillery.com. All right, Coach, South Carolina and South Carolina State, go. I'm going 50 to 13. <laughs> oh, no, you no. gave him a field goal. You're it's close. over. 
I didn't see that much out of Rattler. He had two more picks. Uh, you know, South Carolina Mead going to be fighting for the cellar between Missouri and Vanderbilt, a three-game series to see who wins those two games against each other. So we'll see how it goes. Florida, Eastern Washington. That was a head check from Coach. Eastern Washington and Florida, Brent. So I actually, looking back at it in the moment, but I actually agree with Napier's decision to go for two when they were down 11. That's the, that's the analytics. I asked three different coaches around the country, and, you know, it, 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 you got to go for it. Uh, and try because you're probably going to have a hard time getting the tie, so might as well go for the win. It's like this when you, you got 16 and a dealer's got a face card, are you going to take a hit or not? I mean, and you got to be consistent, I, and he's been consistent, he's been consistent in his aggressive behavior. But I think the looking back at it, like initially, it's always like, hey, why not take the extra point? You know, because you, you got to score twice anyway. I'm looking, I think he should look at it, and I think he properly looked at it in the I want to win the game in regulation. Right, and the only way he wins the game in regulation, he's got to score three times. The only way he wins in regulation is if he gets a two point conversion. Yeah, and he knows he knows what his team's like. But how about that game, eleven hundred yards? I mean, there wasn't any defense in the game. Uh, to me, that's where Tennessee's going to be struggling. I mean, you gonna you can't give up that many, especially to a team that can't hasn't thrown the ball very effectively all year. I mean, they look like the Green Bay Packers throwing, and they hadn't thrown on anybody, but. Around the league is going to be so good the rest of the year because we got so much good stuff to talk about because we're going to be everybody's going to be knocking each other off. But can anybody knock knock off the dogs? Can anybody knock off Bama? I don't think that's going to happen. I, I really don't, based on what I've seen to this point. And even with Tennessee, that hype train is beginning to roll. I'm not buying it until I see them go into Baton Rouge and do it there. No, they got to do it at home against Bama too, but. Here's the well, I, I'm saying LSU is next week for Tennessee. Oh, That's true. Their next yeah, week. true, but uh, LSU they'll throw the ball on them. But here's the here's the other thing, and I think maybe Brent and I talked about it last year. They had they're ranked seventh in the country now, or eighth, and everybody around the, the whole state hypels up there, and he's done a good job. They're patting them on the back. Their backs are sore from getting padded on this week, and they got an open date, and. Now you got to start over when you had all that momentum. Maybe they'll get uh, Tillman. What, what's his name back? The receiver Tillman. had his, Tillman. He had back. the two of procedure on his ankle. So that's like get back faster, but it's, you, know, you kind of never know. So, second injury to it, a little yeah. more likely. Some could be some issues there. And here's the thing about Hooker he, he has had everything good happen to him that can happen. When's he going to have something bad? There's got to be some tip passes. There's got to be some hit from behind, fumbles. But he's been a machine so far. Now they've got him going for the Heisman Trophy. How's he going to handle it? He seems like a really good kid. Uh, but, you know, when you hadn't had any success and all of a sudden you're having it and then you got a week, two weeks of everybody telling you how great you are and you don't have to prove it again this week, I just don't know how they're going to react to that. It's a good way to uh, end this week. And like you said, Coach, it's going to be loaded for the rest of the season. So make sure you're checking around the league here from UGASports.com. For Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins, thank you to our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery for making this possible. And thank you for listening. We will see you next week.